All right, welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel. And I just wanted to thank all the listeners out there for spending your time with us and sending in all of the emails and questions, uh, because this is really how we determine what we teach you about. And hopefully you're learning something a little bit. Uh, Each time, I think we learn something as well. Um, today's going to be a, an interesting one. This is a topic near and dear to Dr. Daniel Poor's heart. Uh, obviously, extremely challenging, but uh, you know that's why you get paid the big bucks. Yeah. This the today is really going to be revisional breast surgery, and we're going to talk about some of the different options. Um, you know, because it's such a hot topic right now with implants in or out uh capsular contracture do i take the full capsule do i you know unblock resection all these different types of of terms and i'll let you kind of uh really discuss from there awesome um you know as as dr lakey just said i tend to do a lot of breast surgery and um somehow i got i want to say stuck doing a lot of breast revision surgery over the years um it's a good thing because i've commanded a a I guess a, a talent to, to do it. And I, I, I would call myself somewhat of an expert because I've done so many of these cases and they're nightmares. A lot of them are, are big nightmares. And what we want to talk about today and is... We're saying nightmares. We're talking, you you get them when they're at, this is like their fourth surgery. You had one patient, I think she had 10 surgeries yeah. or something like that. So uh, this, this is not for the faint of heart, you know, for the surgeon just coming out into practice. These are ones that you want to refer away because uh, you will learn the hard way that these are extremely challenging and difficult cases. And what we want to talk about today is tools in our armamentarium, and one being a scaffold that's called Galaflex. It's like a mesh that that has been out for for now for a couple of years, and it's really helping in in breast revision surgery. Um, and and we'll kind of talk about every kind of revision. So most of the time, let's just talk about breast augmentation because we, we can't talk about this in lifts as well. Breast augmentation surgery uh, carries a lot of risks to it. Um, as, as easy as it sounds, and most people that are surgeons that are listening to this, they think, oh yeah, it's an hour operation. Um, most of the time it requires zero to no pain and almost everybody's happy. Well, yeah, that's very true. But 50% of the patients, probably even more, have to have another operation not just to remove or replace their implants, but to fix the pocket, maybe take out scar tissue, maybe go smaller or bigger, maybe remove their implants. So before you have breast surgery, you should always remember by putting an implant in, you're putting in a device and we don't know how the device is gonna act. Now, with that said, let's say you want to fix some of these problems and and this is back in the day, you know, what would we do? If somebody came in and I'm gonna throw out a bunch of different scenarios and we'll talk about how we're gonna fix them and for you, that are listening that have had issues with your implants at all, you know, you should really go to somebody who is um, somewhat of an expert in doing breast revision surgery and has these tools because there aren't simple fixes to some of the problems. And when you try to fix them in a very simple method, it just recurs. So you're just setting yourself up for more surgery. So an implant's placed and you come to your doctor and you say, it's sitting in my armpits. I don't like the way it's so far lateral or it's too low and my nipples pointing up and, and my breasts look completely different. Well, years ago you would say, okay, well the implant size or the dissection was either this size was too big for your body or for your pocket. And it 
allowed it to go far lateral or too low, and we have to fix it. So we have to completely recreate the pocket. Now, pocket's already been created. If it's under the muscle, now what do you do? Now, in the old days, what do we do? We put sutures in. So we put stitches and we recreated a fold or we recreated the lateral sweep or we tried to fix something called synmastia, which is a uniboob. Um, these are things really hard to do, especially if you're very thin and you don't have a lot of scar tissue that's already built in to kind of put together. So guess what? You fix it. It looks amazing for a week, maybe three weeks, maybe even six months, and then all of a sudden it happens again because the sutures fell apart because your tissue didn't couldn't hold it. So then our other option was to put in something called an ADM, an acellular dermal matrix. Now, this is either human or pig skin that we take that's devoid of all the cellular material that you can have reactions with, and that's put in as an internal bra, so to say. Problem with that is number one, it's very expensive. So sometimes for me to turn around to somebody who spent a certain amount of money on a breast augmentation, now you're gonna spend a ton more to fix the problem that was caused by a cosmetic procedure. A lot of people didn't have that money. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't put that in for them. And the second thing was some people formed a reaction, inflammatory reaction, and had a what are, what's called a seroma, build up a fluid. So you'd have to put a drain in, and it turned into almost like a cancer operation where it was a lot more to fix it. Now, Galaflex came out. Now, Galaflex, if you can think about it, is like a mesh. Um, and it is, and it's... And I just want to throw it out there for all the people who have heard about the bad mesh. We are not talking about, you know, pelvic floor mesh. We're not talking about intra-abdominal mesh, thing, you know, things like that um, where you can run into some problems. This is uh, in the breast and, uh, you know, this is a essentially a biopolymer. This is something that will eventually be resorbed into the body. And it's similar to some of the, some of the different uh, sutures that we use. It's almost almost identical to some of the sutures we use that we put in that last for a certain amount of time and then go away. Now, this mesh is formed like a hammock. Now, imagine putting it in as an internal bra, sorry, sutured into an area that you want reinforcement. The whole point is here is reinforcement because for a lot of the patients that we operated on, whether they're post-pregnancy or whether they've lost weight or whatever the reason is, some of the tissue is not very strong. So it doesn't want to hold the implant. Now imagine you put a hammock that's holding the implant. Now this hammock lasts for 18 months. Now, it doesn't mean you get to feel it or you know it's there for 18 months, but the strength is there, sometimes even up to 24 months. At around six months, you it starts getting replaced with a new type of collagen that's a little bit stronger and thicker. And then over time, that mesh goes away. But that area where the mesh is, is much stronger than it was before. So therefore, the implant's not dropping, it's not bottoming out, it's not falling in your armpit. Very, very good way to fix it. I've had, I wanna say, a 100% uh, satisfaction rate, 100% uh, you know, result-driven satisfaction rate in the sense that I put it in and that fact that the, the breasts look different, the fact that one's maybe lower, one's to the side, that all gets remedied. Whereas before, honestly, sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. So it's been really good. Now, 
there's other things other surgeons are using this for, and it can be very good to reinforce a breast lift, reinforce a breast reduction. A lot of surgeons call this an internal bra, and it works beautifully. Now, interesting part is the way it works is on the surgical date, you put this in, sew it in, and they go. Now, if you're really, really skinny, you can actually fit feel the edge of the, the rim of this, uh, this mesh. Now that does go away. And I always tell people it always goes away. So what happens is from the surgery date to about one month, you get new healthy cells that grow into the scaffold. It's like a scaffold that's there that wants, it's like begging for collagen. Then over the next six months, the mature collagen is prevalent. So it goes, it changes from, from one type of collagen to another, from three to one. And it becomes a lot thicker and a lot stronger. So at a year, it even becomes twice to four times stronger than it was. And then between a year and a half and two, it's done and it's a done deal. Now, when they go in, they've done a lot of studies of this where they do it. And you can use this mesh, not just for the breast and what we do, we can use it for hernias as well. We can use it to, to bring uh, uh, the abdominal wall together. There are a variety of ways we can fix it. And the interesting part is I looked at a study that I thought was really, really interesting. There was a big study that was done that, that compared the strength of the Galaflex scaffold to the strength of our external oblique muscle, internal oblique muscle, the transversalis, so the muscles in our abdomen. And it's literally like three times as strong, twice as strong. It is a big deal, especially in the breast, because we don't need something that's that strong. Another time I like to use this a lot, and this was actually one of Dr. Lakey's recommendations, is anyone who comes in for a capsulectomy. So if you come in and, and if you're listening and you've had a capsule, caps or contracture, you know that it's really just a pain. And it's one of the most difficult things to deal with with breast surgery because you go in for, for cosmetic augmentation. It looks amazing. And then in three months, in six months, in six years, no one knows when, no one knows why, but you develop a much harder scar tissue that goes around the implant, contracts up, disfigures your breasts, and just makes you all miserable. So what is the treatment? Treatment's always been what's called a capsulectomy. Remove the offending agent and the implant completely. So we take it all out. We get rid of it. We clean the pocket. We make sure we don't leave any scar tissue or capsule in. So you're saying that's the unblock. Yeah. And, I, and, I don't, I, and, and I'm not here promoting unblock at all. There's only one reason to do an unblock capsulectomy, and that's if you have a documented leak. So if you have a documented leak, it's better to take your implant out and block so the leak doesn't get everywhere. Other than that, I am not a, a, a huge proponent of everyone needs to have an M-block capsulectomy with a huge scar. If I can do it and make a small scar, take out all of your scar tissue with the implant and don't leave any scar in, mm -hmm. I think it's exactly the same. And I'm willing to go up against anybody and make that argument, and I know other experts in the world are as well. With that said, when you take out all the scar tissue, and you put an implant in, there's some, some very important structures, or at least what we think, that are holding the breast up that come out with the scar tissue. And then you put the implant in, and it may look good, but the supporting structures by the inframammary fold or even laterally have been integrated into that scar and no longer are there. And sometimes what you see is maybe the implant will be a little lower, or maybe it'll be a little bit further lateral. So by putting in this, this scaffold, by putting in this hammock at the same time of a scar removal or a capsulectomy, 
Dr. Lakey's idea, which I thought was brilliant, it keeps the pocket nice and tight. And it also uses the same principle that we used with a surgeon by the name of Maxwell that said if we put in a piece of ADM to trick the body that there's something else there, the chances of having a recurrent circumferential scar or another capsular contracture are much lower. So far, anecdotally, I've had great results with this with the capsules I've done and I haven't had a recurrence yet. So I'm doing this on most of the capsular contracture cases that I do. Instead of putting an ADM, I'll put a piece of Galaflex mesh and I'm getting very nice results. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after this break. Are you still uh, using any ADMs in certain cases or you, do you think you've kind of switched over? Are there, are there any indications, do you think, for using an ADM still? I mean, the only time you really use it is for breast cancer reconstruction to really kind of reapproximate and get that full coverage because you have no breast tissue mm -hmm. and it's just a very thin skin uh, envelope and you just don't want to have implant exposed. So I think that's the only time we're really using a ton of ADM. It, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons kind of shied us away from ADM too because a lot of people were having seromas and late seromas and other issues with it. So it's not as... Um, it's not used as much. I know a lot of surgeons that still use it all the time, but Galaflex great. I think it's not, the, there's a couple things that are really good about it. Number one, it's not expensive. So instead of spending, you know, four or $5,000 for a piece of ADM, you're spending $1,000. And it's a lot easier for somebody that's already spent a lot of money on a breast augmentation cosmetic procedure to come up with a little money to, to, to get this fixed. I think that's the first. Thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, it's really strong. I mean, it's stronger than an ADM. Um, and I think that's what's so great, especially for people who've bottomed out or have had recurrent bottoming out or have synmastia. Like when the implants touch in the midline, it is one of the hardest things to fix. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's tried to fix that just with suture fixation, it's really difficult and it doesn't work. And there's nothing worse than failing for a patient. Taking someone to the operating room, doing an operation, putting them to sleep, putting them through pain, doing everything, and then saying, I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, it may work, it may not. This really, really helps. I think it's, there's a lot of really good data behind it. And I do think that, that it's a great way. And some patients are having this done on their primary breast augmentations. I know a ton of plastic surgeons that say, why don't you just put the reinforcement in immediately? I personally think it's a little overkill, but if you see somebody that has really weak tissue, tissue laxity, poor collagen, massive weight loss, it may be a go-to for people that need some sort of lower pole reinforcement mm -hmm. so they don't have some of those issues. Yeah, I think, listen, it only makes sense um, in a lot of these revisional cases. Let's say we have done, uh, you know, we collectively as plastic surgeons have done these uh, dual plane breast augmentations where you release the muscle and the tissue and, you know, it allows for the implant to kind of settle in place. But um, I can imagine that if you take a little too much of the inframammary fold, it's easy to drop the implant lower and... This is a great way to be able to lift up the inframemory fold. So in those individuals, I think, you know, you've even started using it. Let's say originally someone would come to the office with capsular contraction. You'd say, my gosh, I have to do capsulectomies and a lift. But I've seen you be able to take the capsules out 
replace this and just do a breast augmentation. So it's kind of like you're resuspending the implant where it should be, um, and you're obviating the need for a lift. Yeah, and I agree. And I think in this, and we've done that for a handful of patients, and it's really been great. And again, you know, if you've if you've experienced any type of malposition, and really when it comes down to, sometimes yeah, it's it's surgeon error. And, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that anyone's perfect. We're all humans and there are problems. And, but there's also one other reason this happens. And it's because implants are too big. So it is very, very, very important that you use tissue-based measurements to pick implants. Implants should fit your breasts. Some people want to go really big. And I think those surgeons have to understand that by doing that, they're, you're destroying someone's anatomy. And what ends up happening is even with all of these tips and tricks and, and modalities that we have to fix problems, sometimes if you go too big, if you get too stretched out, if they get too lateral or too medial, sometimes there's no way to fix them. So it's very important that first operation is done um, with, the, with the right types of measurements, with the right types of implants, with the sizes, um, and understanding that if you at least do those types of things, then the chances of having complications are much less. Now, with that said, even with doing that, sometimes these types of things happen. And when they do, I think this is something that you should ask. Now, if you're listening to us from and you're in Ohio, go to your surgeon in Ohio and say, hey, listen, do you have Galaflex? Because it works, guys, and, and it's something that I have, and I show to patients, and I show them exactly what it is. I did a, a young gal not too long ago, really skinny, and I told her, I said, you're going to feel this mesh for six months to 12 months, but no one can see it, and it's going to look so much better. And it does, and, and you reassure people, and it, and, it, and it really works out well. So, guys, uh, you know, put this in, in, in the back, and if you guys are young surgeons that are listening, I think this is something that definitely to, to, to put on the radar if you want to do breast revision surgery. Um, you know, some people use it for primary breast augmentation. Some people use it for primary breast reductions and breast lifts, thinking it's going to keep everything up and more lifted. Um, and I think it's a, it's a really nice product to use. Yeah, and, in, and especially for some of the younger surgeons out there, I think that, um, you know, I know it adds an extra cost, but trust me when you're doing multiple revisions on the same person because traditional suture techniques don't work and it, you know it just recurs the idea is you could have avoided this just by recreating that pocket that hammock that inferior hammock uh that kind of holds the implant so i think this is a, a great adjunct you know the good part about it is it it has the strength necessary it's got just the right amount of elastic properties it has just the right length of uh, absorption and how it transitions into scar tissue. So I think overall it could be, you know, just an uh, amazing uh, tool to use for revisional surgery that would otherwise just be, can be a disaster. And, and the nice thing is, you know, if, if you're curious, I don't put drains in unless there's a reason to um, for cases with Galaflex because I haven't noticed any seroma formation. I haven't noticed any problems. And therefore, it's one less thing that the patient needs to deal with. And it's one less offending agent that can possibly take bacteria back into the pocket. So I, you know, I try to go drainless for these if I can. Uh, you know, and, and, and it doesn't add much pain or, or recovery either to, this, to the surgery. When we've, we did one together a, lot, a couple of weeks ago and came out really nice. Um, the, you know, we just basically, you basically suture the 
Galaflex in the area that you want to. We use PDS sutures, so they last um, a little bit less than the actual Galaflex does. Um, and over time, all of that incorporates as, you know, uh, scar tissue, which then incorporates and stays forever. Um, and I think it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Um, any other tips and points uh, that you may have? So for the patient who, uh, you know, ha- is suffering from implant malposition. So let's say, um, uh, you know, they've been through multiple operations. They've, um, what, what would your next step be? Let's say, I know you've had a great uh, experience with using Galflex and not having any recurrences. Um, what would you recommend at one point? Let's say you use the Galflex, they develop another capsule. What's the end game here? You know, there, there comes a point where, where some patients have to understand if they continually get scar tissue, mm-hmm. then you have to just say, listen, implants aren't for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want that. Um, so I think the last ditch effort is to is to make the ravioli, uh, it, mm. which is basically you take the implant and you wrap it with an ADM. Mm. You basically take multiple pieces of of this skin, either pig skin or human skin, um, and you stitch it together and make it like the implant is the stuffing of the ravioli. Yeah. Um, and then you put that in like that. And from what I have in my own hands and others, I understand that this is the foolproof way of developing scar tissue. I don't think people have had scar tissue form. Maybe one or two people have, but the ones I've done haven't. It just becomes very expensive. Yeah. That's the only problem. Is there any use or indication for wrapping the entire implant with the Califlex? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, that's something that we can discuss. The difference is it just doesn't slide as easily. Mm -hmm. So so when you think about an implant, I've always been somebody, a big fan of smooth implants. I never Mm -hmm. like textured implants. Sure. To me, putting an implant in with with the Galaflex is like putting a textured implant in. It's a good idea in the sense that you have scar tissue that'll form in and then possibly prevent it from being a capsule contracture. The problem is I just, it may become a little stiffer because of the outside is going to be a little rougher. Sure. So I don't know if you'll want to move with your body like you want it to. Sure. Okay. Um, I was going to add a little blurb today after we talk about uh, Galaflex. Now, with you, with with this uh, podcast, anybody wants, if you have questions, obviously you can direct it directly to us at info at bhpsg.com. It'll come directly to our emails. Happy to give you our opinions on any issues you've had in the past with breast surgery or no surgery or any type of surgery. Or you can comment below in any of our podcasts and we'd be happy to answer you. Well, listen, I hope you guys have learned something today. Uh, You know, we're very thankful for you spending time with us and uh, keep sending in your questions because this is exactly how we come up with the idea of uh, what podcast we're going to bring. So in any case, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.